that if you have like an audience of people that have like searched your search terms on Google, you're gonna have like a GCLIT ID in the URL. It's always gonna be there. So you can take a GCLIT ID and go back however many days you want of people that have been to your site in certain places but not purchased. Retarget those people with Facebook ads and those convert very well. This podcast is sponsored by Klaviyo, the email and text marketing platform that puts D2C brands in control. If you're the leader of a D2C brand, you need a platform that hustles as hard as you do. Klaviyo unlocks the power of your e-commerce data so you can personalize and automate messages that keep customers coming back. D2C brands communicate with Klaviyo. Start for free at klaviyo.com DTC. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot DTC. Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick and today we're very lucky to have Simon Wool, the growth manager at Little Spoon, which is an organic baby and kids food subscription brand. Simon's been an executor in the world of performance marketing for years now and he finds himself leading growth at this exciting company, Little Spoon. Welcome to the show, Simon. Can we start a little bit with your background and your sort of hero's journey as a performance marketer? Yeah, for sure. And uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, excited to dive into some uh, performance marketing in this uh, new iOS 14 world we're now in. Totally. I can dive into my background pretty quickly. After college, I graduated. I moved out to LA. I worked for Shazam. I was working there like, I guess it was like, they were selling impressions on the app, right? So like we were selling ads to McDonald's, Dr. Pepper, Snapple Group. And I was like, oh, this is super cool. But like we're just selling impressions like none of this is d2c really interesting stuff like i mean like these deals are massive like you can guarantee x amount of impressions because you know how many people open an app a day that was like my start into like digital advertising and then from that point i moved to boston because i mean i hated la i'm not attractive enough or rich enough to live in la as a 22 year old out of college so Seth Rogen to did it. I gotta say, he's he's no peach, and he's 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 Canadian though. So yeah, yeah but I think he's funnier than I am, if we're being honest. Yeah, that's probably, just like a little, just a little. I bit. don't know. I haven't seen your riff, so not <laughs> yet. No, 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 we'll see. We'll see if I can get into it today. Yeah. So the next step was I started working for a B two B marketing agency actually, and I was there for a year, and I hated it. Sales cycles are crazy to me. Like the fact that like you can run a lead ad. And then like you get a contact and then you can't tie attribution back for two years because that's how long the process is because you're selling enterprise products that are million, $2 million deals. It's crazy to me. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like my first like soiree into uh, paid social ads, I guess. Like granted, we were running like LinkedIn at the time. I mean, yep. it, it, like a lot of out of home, a lot of shared mailers. Um that was like my first like really big step. And at, after a year, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like <laughs> there's no results. Like we're running stuff like blind. Like there's no data behind it. This doesn't make any sense. Yep. So I went to Social Fulcrum, which was then Target Data and is now part of Isle Rocket. They've just been acquired multiple times. Shout out to Andrew and the team there. They've done a great job. And I got mentored by a man named Noah Freeman, who Noah is now, I think, at Google. But Noah taught me everything there is to know about Facebook advertising. And I was at Facebook, I was working in Facebook ads in like 2017, 2018, which was like a fun time to be in Facebook ads. Yeah. It was the Wild West. Like you could do anything. Yep. This was before Cambridge Analytica. This was before any of those issues. You could target whatever you want. You could target household incomes. You could target like ethnicities. You could target religions. Like nobody cared. 
Um, and then Cambridge Analytica happened after I was there for like six months <laughs> and then everything went to shit. I interviewed him on stage at an event one time. Who? Alexander Nix. I was, oh, I, was did the, you? I was the host of Affiliate World in, uh, in Bangkok in 2018. Oh, wow. Or whatever, maybe 2017. I think it was actually 2017. And I actually like interviewed him on stage and asked him about some privacy concerns or stuff. So when, when all of that like broke, it was like, it was pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, it shook us. I remember getting emails from our reps being like, Things are going to need to change around here. And then, I mean, but like how many times have we sat down and been like, oh, Facebook's going to destroy us. Exactly. And then, I mean, the only time it really has is iOS 14.4. I don't know what we're on. Yeah. Okay, cool. So so you've been involved. You, you, I, I like that you set your story where, you know, you, you were in these parts of the industry that were harder to quantify, mm-hmm. that were, you know, you, you, you were looking for those those conversions. 2017 was an absolute heyday. I remember that. that was 2018 so much fun. when, you know, when people first started figuring out like whitelisting and things like that, it was just like, shoot, it, there really was uh, just a real gold rush yeah, dur- so during that How period. was the time when I figured out broad targeting? Honestly, I had one rep. I mean, honestly... There's a, there's a guy who, work, who used to work for Facebook. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Maurice Ramey. He runs his own agency now. Also a great guy. Um, runs it with Adrian. I can't remember his last name. Um, Maurice is the one that like really like pitched like broad targeting to Facebook. And at that point, like we were all like, this doesn't make any sense. The algorithm isn't going to work. Oh, no. At the time, that algorithm worked. Unbelievable, right? I wish. I mean, go, you could sell anything on Facebook 2017, 2018. Anything. And it was cheap. <laughs> And CPMs were cheap. Oh, and no one was doing those it. Those were the days. Those were the days. What are you seeing? Like, so iOS fourteen point five has been rippling through the industry. Everyone is dealing with it. Yeah, performance marketers. Is it? Does it feel like for me, having come up in the in you know in you know two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and even before then, it almost seems like the industry has been thrown back a little bit in terms of our tracking ability, our data resolution. It feels like it's gone back in time a little bit. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I, I totally would agree. I'm, I'm implementing strategies right now I used in 2017, 2018, like moving off of CBO, moving on to ABO, um, shortening up the number of ads per ad set, uh, moving money manually, testing attribution windows between seven-day click, one-day view, seven-day click, one-day click, one-day view. What's moving money manually? Uh, moving money manually, meaning like you have one campaign on ABO, so you have like six audiences in there. Yep. Um, you start them off at all the same budget because they're probably generally all the same size, like seven, like say you have seven, 1% lookalikes. You start them off, say at like $500 each a day, and then you're moving money manually based on how they perform. Got it. And because we're limited with our data and like, I'd say we're probably missing 60 to 70% of our data in Facebook platform, like compared to like GA and like other data we're seeing, it presents a pretty big issue in terms of like where we move the money. We don't know where to move the money. It's like blind. And then you got to wait three days for attribution to come through and then you can move it. In the past, like <laughs> Noah, the guy I was talking about, Noah Freeman, he had this like machine learning uh, software that he built out himself, which is probably why he's at Google on the product side now. Um, we called it the guillotine at the time. And the guillotine was a system that would move money based on CPA volume and CPM. Really, really cool. Um, basically taking out the human element and the human error from moving money. But now we're back to doing it, 
at a human level. That's interesting. So, I mean, it, it definitely presents a challenge. Yeah. So where are you, you know, this is a big question, but what are you doing in the world of attribution for during this time? I think that's, I think that's the question that's sort of on everyone's mind a little bit is, is how, you know, I know what we're doing at Pilot House is we're sort of trying to elevate up and look at just, you know, the high level media spends across different platforms and across, you know, what Shopify reports really kind of just taking away from that pixel reporting and, and focusing more at a higher level. What are you guys doing? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, the defining metric of our business is a blended CAC, right? So we're always looking at blended CAC, um, whether that's, we have two products right now. We have the baby food, which we call baby blends. And then we have plates, which is toddler food. Um, and we have, I mean, obviously we have different audiences for both baby food and for toddler food. Um, lookalikes can be like pretty similar, but like in terms of like interest-based audiences and like age targeting, it changes a little bit. But um, so we have two basically on Facebook and Google, there's two conversion events, right? So they're, because they're totally separate products, it's not like you can put the same product in the same box yet. Um, <laughs> but right now, so there's two conversion events like on both. And the way that we look at that is we look at it in terms of blended CAC. So every morning I go in, I look at how many purchases we had on our back end from plates and for blends. Um, I have like a pretty manual pull at this point because like, I mean, like I use like super metrics, so it's not like super manual, but uh, I pull in data and I kind of look at like in-platform CPAs compared to GA and then compare it to our blended. So like, I mean, I'm throwing out random numbers here, right? But if I'm seeing Facebook at say like maybe a $200 CPA, I'd probably see blended at like a $40 to $50 CPA. So I know that like, I mean, okay, last year, if I was running a $75, $80 CPA on Facebook, I'd also end up with, at the same spend levels, I'd also end up with the same blended CAC. So like you can kind of tell like how much you're actually losing in terms of attribution there. I, I think spend levels are like pretty indicative of that. Um that's kind of like, have you shifted your spend because I know you, you sort of oversee all of the acquisition channels, which include Google, uh, you know, what else do we have here? Probably where, where else? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're spending on right now we're spending on Google, Facebook, uh, Bing a little bit. Um, we do influencer, we do affiliate, um, but we do sponsor content. Um, but I, I really only touch like Facebook, Google and, uh, Bing. Has any that. budget shifted between those two platforms so far in the I aftermath mean, of iOS 14? Yeah, I mean, we're spending a lot more on Google than we were in the past, uh, more so on, on, on non-branded search than anything else. Um, we're able to open it up. Our competitors bid very hard against us, so we bid very hard against them, uh, which creates a bit of competition there, obviously, forcing the cost of certain keywords up. Uh, so we've been spending more on Google. Uh, I think we're going to start breaking into probably TikTok, Snapchat, and other platforms soon it's really just like a differentiation is necessary right but at the end of the day no one is ever going to bring in as much volume as facebook and so like i wouldn't say like we're reliant on facebook but we spend most of our money on facebook i'm, I'm interested in, in where this goes i saw a statistic the other day about uh, facebook revenues versus tiktok ad revenues mm -hmm. and they were not as disparate as i thought they would be no they're I, not i think it was sort of like three three or four to one kind of thing from facebook to tiktok and that kind of blew me away that it was already that they already had that much of a market chunk so to be honest with you i have been very scared to advertise on tiktok until very recently and that has to do with the pixel updates that they just made um, in the past, basically, I, I assume you know this, that like if you clicked an ad on TikTok, 
The only way it would track attribution is if you purchased it within the app, in like on their browser. Now it'll track users throughout different browsers, which is something that like now in order for any form of attribution, that's kind of ne a necessity. It's basically saying, okay, I found an ad on TikTok. I clicked, I went to the site and then I went, I didn't buy it. I went to my desktop, which I might be logged into TikTok. I might not, but like, we'll see. I type it in to the, like, so it's basically direct at that point and I purchase it. TikTok should be able to tie it back. And is, should be. is that an innovation that they have that Facebook doesn't currently have? No, no, no. Facebook Facebook's has been doing that, that for but, years, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. TikTok does not. So basically it's done on device ID or like user ID in a sense. Which um, goes back to 2012 or 2014 or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like taking basically if you have like an audience of people, right, that have like searched your search terms on Google and like you're going to have like a GCLIT ID in the URL. It's always going to be there. So you can take, honestly, a really cool retargeting audience, and I'll give this one away, is you just basically take a GCLIT ID and go back however many days you want of people that have been to your site in certain places but not purchased, retarget those people with Facebook ads, and those convert very well. And build lookalikes off them. This, this is something Cor we talk about correct. on, on yeah. the newsletter and podcast all the time. We, we were just chatting about that the other day, actually, as a, as a way that different departments can learn from each other, right? And, and uh, Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, when you're, yeah. That's super interesting. It's funny. We've, we've done a few of the children's podcasts uh, recently, and I'm, I'm interested in the business model. I'm a parent. I've got a seven-year-old who does not eat very well. Okay. But I get the opportunity to chat with a, with a rough and rugged performance marketer, and I'm, that's that's where where my thoughts go to. Um very interesting. Anything? Uh, yeah. So TikTok, you're you're a little intimidated by. I think I think that's one. That, you I, know. I, I'm. I will say I'm less so intimidated now than I was in the past. Yeah. Uh, I think we got an email like two, three weeks ago that was like, "This is what we've done to our Pixel," and I was like, "Okay, now I feel comfortable to advertising on here." Yeah, especially with creators, I would think with a brand like yours, you could you probably have a lot of, of creators that have just a lot of natural affinity. How has your influencer strategy played out? Over, the, over this year, say? Yeah, so I mean, our influencer strategy has been really great. Uh, drives a ton of volume at super low CPAs. Um, shout out to Karen and Alexa on our team who actually manage that. They do a great job. Um, it's, it's honestly, it's on Instagram, it's on TikTok, it's on YouTube. Like we have a whole range of influencers. We actually launched, I don't know if you saw this, we launched a game, like a, basically like a, a card game. I saw this. Yeah. Paper. I've got a, I've got a friend who's obsessed with, with paper businesses, uh, yep. just such high margin opportunities. Uh, yeah. We didn't launch anything unpaid. We only did influencer. Um, and it's done fantastic. Uh, really cool. Uh, if anybody wants to check that out, it's called the Is This Normal Game. It's for parents. Uh, it's like kind of like the meme game. Uh, it's like apples to apples or uh, what's the other one I'm blanking on? Uh, I can't remember. Anyhow, it's a great game, uh, but that strategy was only done on Influencer. So uh, there's a lot of like, we've been utilizing a lot of really cool meme accounts, like parent meme accounts are huge for us. Like content creators that do stuff like around their kids are also very big for us. Um, there's a lot of like mom bloggers. Those do fantastic as well. Um, I mean, it, it's great. Like when we get, when we get good content from them, it, also tr transitions to Facebook because we can like use their page. We can run ads from their account. Um, so influencers like a really big part of our, uh, our marketing mix. 
Totally. I hear your seven-year-old right now. My seven-year-old is having a, a, a big meltdown downstairs, uh, unfortunately. I'm sorry to hear that. But it sounds like her mother is uh, is on it. She honestly, when she saw the uh, <laughs> when she when she saw me researching this, she's like, "I want that." She's like, "I want that food." She she wants me to ask you when you're going to come to Canada. I know selling food across the border. Uh, I don't that's, have. That's a tough one. I'll tell her. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a good answer for you, but uh, soon, sooner soon. rather than later. I love it. Yeah. It'll happen. So let's back up on the on the card strategy here, because I, I think it's such an innovative idea when brands spin out content brands, which is literally what Pilot House has done with direct to consumer. Yep. Uh, and, and and it's been a, a huge boon for for all parties in, in that case. And uh, and 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 for you guys to spin out this your your content arm, which is is this normal.com slash That's correct. Right? Uh, oh so so yeah, so the the content arm is just is this normal. Um is this normal is a place that parents can go to it's is this normal.co or it's like is this normal.littlespoon.com but it's basically um as a parent like you don't really know what you're doing if you're a first time parent um there's a lot of things that you're like is this normal like is like my child doing the right thing um so this is a site that we basically allow parents to ask questions when we have either celebrities or other parents they give answers there's a lot of really good content in terms of articles um, and in terms of like w- like parenting myths, anything around those lines. So this is kind of the way that uh, parents can kind of like make sure that and help them feel not alone, if you will. Yeah, it's a it, it's a very aptly named uh, content brand because it's something that every parent does does think all the time. Is this like is this normal? Right. What's happening downstairs right now? Like, is that normal? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but also, but talk to, talk to me, like who came up with that strategy and how does it play into as, as a growth manager, how does it play into your, your sort of strategy? Yeah, for sure. Um, who came up with the strategy in terms of the influencer stuff or the actual site the, itself? The content, the whole, the content piece as like, um, Hey, let's deploy. I think this was, I mean, so I started here about a year ago. And it was, it has been part of the company since its inception. Smart. So I think it was always going to be part of the company. Um, I think recently, like it's been really like revamped. A lot of really good articles are on there now. Um, me as a performance marketer, uh, we run a lot of ads that direct actually two specific articles on, is this normal? Um, I was that wondering have, like, about good that. Call to actions. Yep. So we, we do run ads, uh, at top of funnel or at, at all parts of the funnel. Um, both, um, we run both. Uh, it's definitely a lower part of our budget, but it converts pretty highly. Um, it, it's cool. We actually run, we've run them as conversion campaigns, which is really interesting. So we're not running them as like landing page view campaigns. And then we'll drop some of the ads into our retargeting campaigns as well, just to kind of get those, uh, bottom of funnel people. Uh, shown just to give people a different look too, right? Just yeah, to be like exactly. This, is, this company's got yeah, a lot of it, a lot of going the, on. Yeah, the ads run from the is this normal handle? So, I mean that those those are always pretty cool. They convert well. Um, yeah, good part of our mix. I was just talking to another brand in a in in a really exciting space, and this is really what's on their mind. And and one of the things that we do as an agency is when there are these content arms, it allows you to run ads that are that are or maybe ads that you might not run on your on your core brand things like you know quiz type experiences for sure or, yeah uh, or or things like that. Have have you ever run um, you know different kind of funnels on this brand versus your own, or, or where where do you guys net out with like pre click content in general? Are you guys running a lot of pre sales pages and funnels like that? Um, 
we run a decent amount of it. Uh, we don't really do much of that at Little Spoon, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, I've, I've definitely worked on it at past companies. Uh, I mean, I, I, I ran ads for, I mean, like I, I worked for them, so I was in-house there, for a company called Willow. They sold adult incontinence underwear, which is a wild company. Mm. Worked, though. Um, sold. Um, and then, like, I used to be at an agency, so I used to run all the ads for Gravity Blankets. I used to run all the ads for Misfits Market and uh, Lolly, like the Bitcoin uh, yep. Chrome extension. Like, I, I've, I've run all those before. And, I mean, we, we've definitely messed around more in terms of upper funnel content there than we do at Little Spoon. We, 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 do, we do a good amount of it here, but not, it's, not, it's not as big as it was for other companies. Um, okay, so back to back up a little bit about your audience and, and how you go about audience targeting. You mentioned you have these two, these two different products. You're not going to be sending ads featuring babies to, to kids' food. That's a totally different challenge, feeding a baby than feeding a kid. Correct. Uh, yeah. You mentioned you have two different conversion pixels for each of these sort of themes. Are they, both conversions take place on the same website, though? Same site. Yeah. Yep. Same smooth. site. And they're both technically considered purchase. It's just, it's basically an indicator. Totally. And are you upselling? Like, got a brother? We also have this. Are you upselling as people go through the baby funnel and vice versa? So once you purchase and you are already a subscriber, there is like an upsell option. Um, like you can add on certain plans based on like what's going on. Like if you have a baby, you have an older brother, uh, older sister, like you can add on and it's just part of the same plan. That's really done. Like we do a lot of email marketing as well. Email marketing is huge for us. Um, and like, obviously like we have multiple lists. So like we have our leads list and we have our customer list, customer list will get upsell stuff more. The leads list will not get any upsell because they haven't purchased yet. So, um, less so upsell on actually no upsell on paid social, really more so on email and, uh, internal comm. Got it. But still requires two front ends in terms of your creative strategies. Correct. Two front ends in terms of creative strategies. Yes. And then do you create your, how do you work with the, how, how do you guys integrate with creative? Do you have an internal creative team? Do you work with creative agencies? How, how does that work? Yeah. So, uh, we do all of our, we shoot most of our, I'd say 90% of our content is shot internally, whether that's like product shots, um, stylized photo shoots, any of that stuff. Uh, and then we have an agency that like kind of just basically Facebook attizes our ads, um, if you will. So like it basically takes the images and makes them into actual ads. So we have a creative agency that does that. We have internal designers that do our email, but for Facebook, um, because we're churning through creative very quickly, they, they are on it. Like every week we get new creative that we just test. So, so you're the growth manager. What does your growth team look like? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just me and our CMO right now. Got it. Nice. How does how does that break down? You're you're doing there sort of you're working with CMO on strategy uh, and content. You're doing most of the executing. Yeah, so Lisa is our CMO, co-founder, and president, and so I report directly to her. Uh, my job is to kind of keep a handle on Facebook, Google, Bing. Uh, I manage an agency that really does our Facebook builds. Uh, I really do the high level strategy on most of it. So the same agency that does our creative does our Facebook builds. Uh, I manage the high level strategy on both Google and Facebook, uh, following like budgetary direction and like volume targets set by, uh, the rest of the team, primarily Lisa. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, she kind of leaves it up to me to determine strategy and like where we're spending, what we're spending. Um, so she oversees the entire marketing team, but so I, my growth team right now, uh, we are hiring a, uh, like junior performance marketer. So, um, 
if you're looking for a job, send me an email. Nice. Um, Love it. But yeah, no, uh, we are. Very cool. But it's small right now. I mean, the company, we're, we're 40 people now, I think. And the marketing team, I think, is seven of us, six of us, seven of us, something like that. Have you tested podcasts yet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We ran podcasts. How, how's that gone? Uh, it didn't go great. Didn't go great. Um, I'd like to retest it again, um, probably going into Q4, maybe. Um, I think like we went really niche with our podcast. I think maybe going a little bit broader with our targeting would probably be more beneficial. Um, but I mean, like these are definitely tests that we're willing to do and willing to try out. So yeah, absolutely. Just like Facebook, you got to go broad. You got to go broad. Nice. I mean, Amazing. I think I'm really, I'm really big on YouTube right now. Really big on YouTube, whether that's YouTube live stuff. Uh, I mean, like, look, for example, at like something like the Pat McAfee show, they do insane numbers. They're doing like 75, 80,000 people per live episode. Um, they're selling products. They're getting great sponsorships. Like, I think that YouTube is like, I think YouTube is scalable. I don't think podcasts are necessarily scalable. If I have like one podcast, that's like a honeypot for me, right? Like how many times can I run an ad on there? Like at what point am I going to churn through user base? Yeah. With YouTube, I think it's like, it's, I think your opportunity is much, much larger. Um, it's not necessarily going to be as niche. Like it might be on like your for you page. Like each episode is going to be different, especially if you're going live on a daily basis. Um, and that content lives on in perpetuity. Walk yeah. me through that a little bit. Like what is, what does that mean going like these are, you're going live on YouTube and then you're putting ad budget behind it? Yeah, no, I mean, so like if you look at like any of these like sports shows right now, and I'm just using this as an example, Yeah, like they might have like SeatGeek as a sponsor, right? That allows you to buy tickets to live events. And they'll plug SeatGeek like you would for a podcast, right? Like I assume you guys have sponsors. Yep. Um, they plug it the same way. There might be product placement in the shot that's there the entire time. There's a link. And then that episode is going to live on in perpetuity. And that logo is always going to be there. With a podcast, like you have to go back and listen. Like it's not going to be there. Nobody listens to old podcast episodes, right? Unless there's like a big interview or something. Mm. And you're listening for the interview. And like diehard people, like, yeah, they'll listen. But like when you get a casual listener to come in, they're not going to go back and listen to six episodes. With YouTube, like you might watch it. Like sometimes people sit there and they get bored and you watch YouTube videos. Yeah. I don't know. I personally just think YouTube is way more scalable than podcasts at this point. Yeah. I think it absolutely is. Uh, and, but you're, but the, and live video is such an interesting space too, especially with, uh, with Instagram sort of, you know, saying that they're going to become more like TikTok, become less of a photo platform, more of a live video platform. It For really sure. seems like the, uh, the way to go. Do you guys, are you doing anything like yourselves on, on like on the reels and, you know, on, on this, you, you, leveraging this live video format? Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, for, for Instagram specifically, we've gone live uh, a bunch of times, like from the brand account, we'll bring in like, I think one time we brought in a uh, sex therapist to discuss like uh, after having a baby uh, sex uh, and parents would come in and ask questions. I think the other time we did it with a sleep therapist, maybe like talking, like asking questions about how, like how toddlers sleep. Yeah. We're bringing in like people and people in this, this industry um, doctors that like can answer parents questions. So it really all ties back to the, is this normal arm and that content piece around it. And then like how much of your budget, not exactly how much, but like, is, is the, are these small little experiments that you just, you do to create top of funnel awareness and then you kind of remarket? Like what, how do they actually fit into your sort of campaign structure and strategy? Yeah. So, I mean, like the live stuff doesn't really do much, um, in terms of that, that's really just more like top of funnel awareness. 
we, t- we UTM everything. Right. So like I can always retarget. Yeah. Based on where people are coming from. Totally. Like I, I'm very, very, our entire team is like very on point with their UTMing. So like we can always tie back and like, we can always like retarget anywhere from anything that we're doing. Um, so like if we're sending people like to YouTube ads on prospecting, like I can retarget them on Facebook if they've clicked through from a YouTube ad. Um, it all ties into one another and they're all interconnected. Nice. So if you're getting hit from one ad, you're probably going to get hit in multiple places. All right. On to some, uh, a few rapid fire questions here. What are there any, uh, any D to C brands that you really admire personally, like either for their marketing, for their product, for both? Yeah. Uh, I love Brightland, uh, olive oil. Uh, I love their product. I love their packaging. Um, I think it's a great, great product. Um, I really love ugly seltzer. Yep. I absolutely like love seltzer. I drink a lot of seltzer. I think ugly is the best one out there. Uh, I'll probably get a lot of hate, but I can't stand Olipop. I just really can't stand it. I don't know. That's I've had them both on the podcast and they're lovely. They're very different products, right? The no, one, no, the they're, they're good people. Just- I just, I, they're all good people, right? I just am personally drawn to, I like seltzer more than I like soda yeah. and I like it like super carbonated and Olipop is not super carbonated. So no hate towards the actual company. No. Just, I need it more carbonated. You need those angry bubbles. I do. I need it to taste like TV static. I just read this crazy tweet the other day that was about the history of soda fountains in the United States. Oh yeah. And Tell how, me more. how soda used to be like the biggest deal in the world. And you think about it, like people drink soda because they like the stimulation. They like that it's something different than water, right? They like the flavor, mm-hmm. but it's like soda back in the day used to be like a, like it was the way that people got exposed to like French architecture was that it would, they would go to like the soda fountain really? where they had all these like ornate things. It was like a big, oh, that's and the so amount cool soda that was consumed way back in the day, like in the twenties and thirties was like, mm-hmm. like, like not that disparate from how much soda is consumed today, but people would just go to the soda shop to do it. It's wild. I can, I can see that. And that sounds like, and they didn't have the dental care we have today. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> exactly. I saw they had clam soda that I saw the menus for one of these places. They're serving up like clam Ugh. sodas. Like, what? yeah, it's wild, wild stuff. Little, little soda that side sounds gross. Yeah. Nice. Um, another company that I love, um, they're great people. Their products, fantastic. Muddy bites, uh, muddybites.com. It's like, you know, when you get an ice cream cone, like as a kid, and this is like the chocolate filled piece of the cone at the bottom. Yeah. That's all they sell. It's just in bags. And it is, <laughs> it's so you can't, if you that's open great. a bag, that bag's gone by the end of the day. That's it's like fantastic. muffin tops. That's great. Oh yeah. 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 They're, they're so good. Love them. Very cool. I also, not a D2C band, but a brand I love is Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell. I'm obsessed with Taco Bell. Wow. Taco Bell is one of my, their branding is fantastic. I have their app. The push notifications they send are great. Great Twitter presence. 10 out of 10. I love Taco Bell. Love it. I love that. There's that one U.S. meat brand, too, that sells like sliced meat that's in your freezer that's like become sort of like oddly political. Oh, I, I'll have to look them up and uh, I don't know what you're referring no, to. Yeah, there's a, there's a one one brand that that is like a, a frozen sliced meat company where their Twitter handle has become like an arbiter of truth in like some in the stuff that like they've weighted in in this like really high level way to the to a lot of the weird political discussions hap- happening in the United States right now. Interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, is it Slim Jim. I know Slim Jim's got a really good Twitter presence, but I have never put a Slim Jim in the freezer. I love. Uh, that you brought up Taco Bell too, just because I just watched Demolition Man the other day, and we know that they're going to be the survivors of the uh, of the brand wars. Oh yeah, hundred percent. 
They will. Okay. Next, next. Uh, is there a part of your marketing like uh, stack, whether it's your your email or uh, are there any tools that you'd like to shout out right now that that are a, a critical part of, of your marketing stack? Yeah, I mean, like I love our in, I, like our influencer stuff is great. Our affiliate program is fantastic. Um, I think our brand team does an absolutely incredible job at kind of maintaining our brand standards, uh, putting together partnerships, putting together sponsor content, um, and really like being the like performance marketing that is an actual like paid social advertising. So just big shout out to our entire brand team. Like they're in the weeds every day, making sure that everything on organic or sponsored content is like absolutely crushing getting those placements. So, I mean, that's, that's huge for us, especially top of funnel drives everything in our retargeting funnel. So yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Stakeum. Steak underscore um with two M's. Steakum. Steakum. You gotta check out Steakum. They uh, they're a legit beacon in, in the world. Like I can't believe that, that like they've got two hundred nine thousand followers now. Uh, Steakum. What is it? It's oh, it's like literally sliced steak that you can make like into like Philly cheesesteaks, basically. And their pin tweet is: This is the official Steakum thread of topics to organize our top tweet storm rants over the years. Topics include scientific literacy, critical thinking, memes, cognitive biases, woke brands, polarization, conspiracy theories, and more. Steakum bless. Yeah, I mean, I love it when I love, <laughs> I I love it. I love it when brands have uh, have like great personalities. Honestly, I do. I just have never seen a brand try to weigh into any of those topics. Which I think is like a really interesting opportunity because most brands. I- Sour Patch Kids does it too. Do they? Sour Patch Kids does a great job I of love it. Yeah. Sour Patch Kids. Oh man. Yeah. the The woman who runs Sour Patch Kids is is very funny. She she's great. Um, or at least the Sour Patch Kids Twitter. Uh, and she's super funny, so she does a great job at that. Very cool. Uh, last question: If we gave you a fifty thousand dollar grant uh, to be applied to your marketing budget, where does it go right now? That one place? Um, well, no, you could you give it a couple. You could sort of Facebook, Google, influencer, all day long. And you mentioned what you sort of you, you mentioned whitelisting. I, I think there's still some of our audience that 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 don't really know that. Is that still as effective a tactic in the iOS 14 landscape? I mean, it's always going to be an effective tactic, um, but it's yeah. it, not as much as it used to be, honestly. It and, and I mean, it hasn't been that way for a few years. Like you can whitelist stuff like. Yeah, I mean, it works, but like it's not really scalable at a certain point, and that's kind of like the issue there. I mean, the majority of the whitelisting we do is, some, is on ad roll, probably. Um, like just display advertising, display retargeting, display prospecting. Certain sites we want to be in front of more than mm. others. Um, so, yeah, I mean. Nice. But Oh, sorry. I meant actually advertising through handles, through influencers' handles. Oh, oh, when yeah. I meant that's that huge. kind of whitelisting. Yes, not, yes, again, I yes. forgot you go back to old school performance marketing so that you think of uh, oh, yeah, uh, display. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So whitelisting for me, just so people know, is like whitelisting when, is when you take specific websites and you're running specific ads to specific websites. Got it. Like as display ads are on like Google and you build whitelists. Yes. Influencer whitelisting, huge, massive. Yes. We run a lot of Facebook ads from influencers. Yes, all the time, constantly need to switch it up, need to keep creative fresh. I mean, TikTok, that's going to be the biggest thing to do is running branded content from influencer at influencer posts. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, nice, man. Well, this has been fun. I've just uh, chatting on, on performance marketing here. Let's stay in touch. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, love, absolutely. Love to hear how this uh, how this shakes out for you, man. This has been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, are, you are you active on Twitter or, or any uh, any sort of profile that they might be able to reach out to you on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's Wyman Sewell. It's just uh, the first letter of my first name mixed with the first letter of my last name. 
Um, and then if you want to email me, it's uh, simon at littlespoon.com. And that's, that's it. Uh, well, we'll see you on the Steakums threads when we uh, hash out the mysteries of the universe. I gotta find out what this mystery meat tastes like. Yeah, yeah, I want I, I like frozen sliced beef. I'm in. So, uh, so they've got me there. <laughs> it sounds interesting. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, man. thank you very much, Eric. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumer all one word dot co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C podcast. We'll see you next time.